morning. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, it is uh, page 818. Verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly are, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but for what is unseen is eternal. It's my privilege to introduce our speaker today. Mike Lindsay is the National Director for Urbicad. For those of you who may not know, one of their primary things is to supply discipleship and church development materials throughout the U.S. and Canada. And Mike has been someone who we've supported as a church since 2000. So, Mike, please uh, bring what God has said on your heart for us today. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's great to be able to be with you folks and to share the word with you this morning. Um, ha- have you broken any of your New Year's resolutions yet? I-, I-, I got a great idea for what we should really be doing at the beginning of the year. And I, I think, John, that it- you kind of caught that this morning as we were. What, what is our direction? What is our theme for the year, opening the eyes of our heart to behold God in all of life. And, you know, I think we should frame 2014 in terms of accomplishments. What is it we hope to see if the Lord tarries by the end of this year? What do we hope to actually have accomplished? What will have changed in our lives? But more importantly, what will we have done I know as I look back on 2013, it's been an eventful year for my, myself and my family. Um, we had uh, been transitioning from a dual pastoral and mission ministry and uh, gone to work in a secular job for a while. And this last year, we were able to buy a home. Now, when you reach 60 and you're just buying a home, <laughs> that tells you something about the vagabond life that missionaries often end up with. Uh, on the move, not quite knowing how to settle down. And uh, we found a great little place up in uh, Rock City Falls. Anybody know where Rock City Falls is? Oh, you do? Okay. Well, now you can find me uh, because there's not much there. <laughs> and um, we, are, we have uh, managed in the process of moving in. I, uh, I had a lot of things to do and 
God supplied a lot of our needs as far as where the Herbicad materials would go because we didn't really have room for them in our new house. But at the end of the process, just a few days away from getting moved in, I tore my quad tendon straight across the kneecap. And uh, I, was, I was, praise the Lord, <laughs> I was in my new house. <laughs> praise the Lord, I was able to hit the floor on something soft. And uh, praise the Lord, my son knew how to call 911 and would not get off the phone until <laughs> somebody came and got me. <laughs> and we had, I had surgery and spent the whole summer recuperating, and uh, I can still walk. And I'll bet you didn't even notice the limp, right? You were noticing this thing instead. <laughs> well, each year as I get older, I begin to realize I have a sense that I won't be able to accomplish everything I think I ought to be able to do. Now, when you're in your 20s, there really are, don't, you don't feel honestly like there are any limits. But when you hit a certain stage of life, you realize... I can't accomplish all the things that I thought I had the gifts and God's calling and blessing to do. Um, We had the joy of helping start a Bible college back in Portland, Oregon, before we moved here. And we helped them celebrate their 25th anniversary last year. And God has been blessing that place. But, you know, as we now look ahead, things are now, I've become much more intentional about looking to God for the direction I need to go. It's more important that I do the things God has given me to do. I want to live life without regrets, without the sinful detours of selfishness, without missed opportunities caused by fear or by laziness or by spiritual weakness or by all the excuses that I can give up. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I I can't do that because. But rather, what God's telling me to do in 2014, those are the things I want to do. Those are the things I want to live, a life without regrets in 2014. Uh, As TJ shared the word this morning with you, Paul the Apostle was writing those words to a church that was, you know, a wonderful, powerful church, and yet a church so full of problems. Like most of our churches, like most of us, doing great things for God, and yet at the same time, falling so short in so many ways. Um, He had an attitude of life that was centered on the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Let me share with you the opening words of the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. Uh, I use the English standard, so if it turns out a little different, it probably won't mean anything different in the long run. Therefore, the opening words of chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
in their case, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. See, Paul had an intentionality about, okay, my life has been full so far, but I know that I need to be careful how I live so that there will be no regrets. I am not going to lose heart, and I know that there will be trouble because I'm living for Jesus. There will be trouble, but I will not lose heart. I will not resort to sinful ways of doing things. I will not, we would say today, I will not resort to mass marketing of the gospel in order to get people to accept it and not really understand what it means to make Jesus Lord and King of their lives. He wanted open statements of the truth that would lead people by the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he repeats at the end of the chapter in the words that were read already, so we do not lose heart. Verse 16. Our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary afflictions, these troubles we face, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Those words challenge me, and I hope they challenge you as well. We will not lose heart. Instead, we will see God's path, and we will walk in his ways. There are three admonitions I see in Paul's words in life that I'd like to challenge myself with in the weeks ahead, and you as well. And I want to live the remainder of my life without regrets, without losing heart. First of all, if you're taking notes, this is what you write down. Let us weigh our troubles in the scales of eternity. Let us weigh our troubles in the scales of eternity. What are the afflictions you face day by day? What are the things that really get you down? Are they family relationships? Are they health issues, financial concerns? Are you tempted to lose heart, give up on yourself? Some of us sometimes, if we're honest, giving up on our relationship with God. Okay, I'll still come to church, but, you know, that quiet time with God, it just isn't doing anything for me anymore. It's so easy in the trials of life to start moving away from that closeness to God. And we need to be careful not to lose heart. Let's weigh the troubles we have. Let's take a good look at those troubles the way the apostle tells us we should. What did he call them in verse 16? Pardon me, in verse 17. They are light, momentary afflictions. Now, that's not to say Paul didn't have problems. 
He was stoned with rocks, <laughs> okay, for, for proclaiming the gospel. Later on in life, he was shipwrecked and left on boards to float into the island and, and survive. He understood what it meant to be betrayed by men and women he had invested their, his life in. He'd seen them turn and run away when things got hard. He understood the hard things that just tear you down. Paul lists all kinds of things. If you want to make a note and read it later, read the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, where he lists all the kinds of physical dangers that he endured, all the kinds of setbacks. And then at the end of it, he adds, there was also the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He said, when you get right down to it, the thing that most pushed on my heart was the way the churches were going. Whenever I saw a setback, whenever I saw something going wrong, whenever I saw a church that was losing its first love for Christ, that really caused me to stop and take stock. Paul's example to us was weigh all those troubles, weigh all of those afflictions, whatever kind they are. Weigh the heartaches, weigh them all in the scales of eternity. What do you see when you weigh them in the scales of eternity? My translation puts it, the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Eternity that weighs beyond anything you can help. Every time we face a trial or an embarrassing circumstance or whatever with the perspective of eternity, we can turn to God for the power to endure and to succeed and not to lose heart. Some of those trials are due to things, circumstances totally beyond our control. Some are because of our bad choices. Things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done, but weren't particularly evil or anything. Sometimes we have to admit the troubles that have come upon us is because we haven't been obedient when God was telling us through his word or through the prompting of the spirit what we should be doing. But in any of these cases, God is still in control of the circumstances we face. And as we draw on his strength, he rewards us with his presence here and now and with amazing joys of heaven with him in eternity. That's the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. By comparison, every affliction we face is truly light. It's truly momentary. It won't last. And if it does last for this life, How long is that compared to 10,000 years and then forevermore with him? Last spring we rejoiced because God provided a home for us and a permanent place for our Herbicad books. The church that we have found that we have attached ourselves to is a church that once used the very same materials, though they didn't know about Herbicad, (laughs) but they used the very same materials in their church ministry. 
And so there was a lot of work packing. There was a lot of work getting in. We, we took a whole trailer full of books from the storage depot in my basement in the rental to the storage depot in the church building. And when it was all done, after I tore my tendon, after I recognized God's hand in all that, and after 10 weeks of rehab, it was very hard for all of us. And yet, it did cause us to slow down, to see God's blessings in the midst of the trials. The very weekend after I tore my tendon, my son Sam was uh, scheduled to go away to camp as a counselor at Delta Lake Camp up in the Rome area in New York, a camp where he would be working with disabled adults. And uh, at 16, but he's a strong football player and everything, (laughs) and at 16, he would be taking care of folks that had developmental disabilities, we call them, of all ages, from his age right on up to the 70s. And uh, he was assigned, he told me later, two or three persons each week that he was really responsible for from sunrise, from Reveille to Taps. <laughs> and then two or three times a week, he had the overnight shift. And so he learned so much in that summer. He, he reached a level of his commitment to God that just made my heart sing because he began to take the faith that he had and put it to work in helping others. And he can't wait to get back there. And God is working in his heart. And I'll tell you, when you have that kind of experience, it's worth tearing your tendon. (laughs) It's worth 10 weeks of rehab to see what God is doing in his life. God always brings some way to show us his presence. Sometimes it's hard to see. But you know something? If we weigh our troubles in the scales of eternity, then we can live a life without regrets. Secondly, this is the part you write down if you're note takers. Let us set our priorities to maximize God's glory. Let us set our priorities to maximize God's glory. I think the Apostle Paul had a great sense of balance. On one hand, he was looking forward to the rewards of heaven, you know, the eternal weight of glory. He saw that coming. He was in some real trials at the end of his life, and it led to his eventual martyrdom. But those things were really, I'm sure, were weighing on his heart because we read in 2 Timothy, he said, oh, come, come as soon as you can. Come as soon as you can. I really miss you having, being here, Timothy. And he said, this other guy, Demas, he's up and left me. You know, I poured my life into this fellow as a brother minister in Christ, and now he's gone somewhere, who knows where. Only Luke is left with me. Come as soon as you can. In spite of all that, he told Timothy what motivated him was this. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
Paul's fundamental motivation was not that, though. It was not his own crowns and joy in heaven, but the glory of God. He desired to see Jesus Christ lifted up in the lives of the people he met and served. And that priority allowed him not to lose heart when the world seemed bleakest. In, earlier in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, we read him uh, pouring his heart out. For we who live are always given over to death for Christ's sake, so the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. For it's all for your sake, so this grace extends to more and more people it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God so we do not lose heart. The real issue, Paul says, is the glory of God. More people focusing their lives on living like Jesus and living for Jesus. That brings glory to God the Father. That's what matters. More people receiving the grace of God and the forgiveness of sins That brings glory to God and thanksgiving, not only among those who are just saved, but those who had a part in bringing them to Christ. And the glory of God is what matters. And that means my life is not my own. My life is a tool for God's work, for making disciples and new believers. And that's as it should be, because God deserves all the glory. So that means that my life and yours will be uncomfortable at times as we seek to serve and glorify God with our lives. It means that we'll have to discipline ourselves as the Spirit of God directs us and that we'll have to go, let go of some things that keep us from being strong and being wise and being aware of the Spirit's leading. All that so more and more people will glorify God because of us. The changes God wants to make in us and the new priorities he wants to establish in us will actually make our lives more joyful and free. And as we look back on life, it will be remarkably without regrets, no matter what we've been through. Thirdly, Let us invest our resources in the realm of faith. Let us invest our resources in the realm of faith. Come back to the text from this morning. The key Bible verses there. Look at verse 18. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Let me stop there and ask, does that sound a little bit Does does that really pick up your ears at all? (laughs) How am I supposed to see things that are unseen? How am I supposed to look at and ignore the things that I can see? And not just things like pews and people, but all the things of life that seem so important. He said, those things are temporary, transient. They, don't, they are not built to last. That's what transient means. They're not built to last. But the things that are built to last, 
He said, take a look at those things. For as the Spirit tells us in Hebrews, we are looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We can't see Jesus physically, but Jesus promised a blessing on those who didn't actually see him physically, but who followed him and believed in him anyway. And as Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight. So then, we have limited resources in this life. And we have to make choices in where we will invest those resources. And the Word of God tells us that focusing on the outward and visible things of life keeps us from seeing the things that are really important, the things that are eternal. And that takes faith in God. Henry David Thoreau once wrote, Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. Now, I don't believe Thoreau was a Christian, but he certainly was a good observer of human nature. He, I, I believe he might have even become one of those desperate men that he spoke about. But how sad that a child of God would ever go to the grave with the song still in him. How sad that we might not live to our potential because of fear, because of just losing heart. How then do we invest our resources in ways that will leave us with no regrets later on? May I suggest that we value our time as a gift from God and use it for drawing close to him by meditating in the word and in prayer and in serving others in need. There's nothing more important than keeping in touch with God and allowing him to shape our lives and surrendering our agenda to him and receive the right agenda from him. May I suggest that we value our families and invest time and gifts and financial resources in them as well. And let's make sure we're teaching our children by example to love and value God and God's people and people across the whole world who are eternal, who have an eternal destiny, who matter to God. The things we own, according to this text, are fleeting and momentary. The people around us, they are by design eternal and they are worthy to be invested in. That's why Christians invest money in the lives of those who take the good news of God's grace to those who haven't heard in the far reaches of the globe and much closer to home. People matter to God. They have eternal worth. And that's also why we need to invest other resources, time and talent and personality and knowledge the knowledge God has given us of his word in making disciples of all kinds of people. Our Urbicad program has been a great resource for training up Christian leaders for the next generation in the church. Uh, churches in New York and Brooklyn and Staten Island, the Bronx, have been using the Life of Christ curriculum 
to start churches basically with folks who came right out of uh, recovery from drugs and alcohol. And now they're building their lives on Jesus through his word. Um, we have other churches in, uh, right now in the Chinese churches in uh, the Alliance up in Montreal are using this curriculum. And uh, the English-speaking congregation there uses it in English and, and others are using it in French. And they're Chinese. That's, that's, part, that's part of the, the world we live in today. All these people need to have the opportunities. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And they make up part of that wonderful family that we will be with for eternity. So investing in them, there's no regret there. Westerlo Church, you used this curriculum with a handful of men who were a band of brothers about 10 years ago. And uh, they, they became leaders in this church and still are involved in leadership in the church they're in now. And uh, God used them and has trained them and picked them up. I, I really hope to see a new group of men or women or both uh, using the Urbicad curriculum uh, soon here at this church. We have other groups, uh, wives of seminary students and Bible college students at a school in South Carolina. The wives wanted a program for themselves, and uh, they heard about what we were doing. And uh, they've started using that. And three or four groups of women now have gone through that. They're equipped to be partners with their husbands in pastoral or missionary work around the globe. There are others in the far reaches of Alberta. We send uh, regular books and curriculum notes and so on to a church in La Crete, Alberta, which is like that far from the Yukon, <laughs> you know. And uh, God is using them, uh, a Mennonite church there, uh, to reach a, a transient community, but to reach them with the gospel of Christ. There's a men's discipleship ministry at a Baptist church in northern New Jersey. They called me and said, will this stuff that you use in New York, will that work with our men? I said, you're from Jersey? <laughs> of course they'll work with you. And so there's 20 men there in three groups in one church who are using the uh, Life of Christ curriculum to grow in their knowledge and understanding. And they are men that God is going to greatly use, I am sure, until he returns. All this results in more and more people giving thanks to God and more and more glory going into the one who deserves all the glory and praise, our Lord Jesus. We thank you here at Westerlo for being partners with us in the Urbicad ministry through the organization called Missions Door. And thank you for your prayers and your financial support. Um, like you, I want to live a life without regrets, serving the Lord who saved me and gave me eternal life. I hope you'll join me in weighing our troubles in light of eternity setting our priorities to maximize God's glory and investing our resources in the realm of faith. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious Father God, it is such a, a marvelous thing to be called out of darkness and 
into the light of your son, Jesus Christ. To receive new life, new hope, and new direction. And Father, with this year on the calendar that you've granted us, and for whatever reason you've chosen not to come back yet, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, each one, to use this year without regrets to live for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.